Okay, so um, last week we were talking about creation, and we probably got three quarters of the way through the study, but the last the last piece of that um, was the special creation of of mankind, specifically Adam and then um, Eve from Adam. So I didn't want to like uh, run through that in, in like a, a two or three minute um, time span and. Because I, I think it's I think it's a, an important thing for us to understand um, when we consider creation. So I wanted to kind of just uh, wrap up last week and then and then get back and spend a little bit of time today. It probably I'm going to say this and then I'm probably going to jinx myself. It's probably not going to be that long of a class. Um, y'all know every time I say that, there's going to be 45 minutes now. So I probably should have just not said that at all. Um, but I don't think that it is. We've only got a handful of, of, of scripture to, to touch this morning. Um, I want to, before we kind of get into that, I want to just kind of refresh us, get us back in the context of the discussion that we were in last week. So we were, we were speaking about creation, um, and kind of one of the things that, that I mentioned last week, and we're going to continue with that theme today, um, is that there's lots of places um, when we consider creation itself that I think that we are free to disagree on um, because Scripture's not um, specific, right? Or scriptures, Scripture gives room for various understandings. Those areas we're going to avoid. So like, um, we're going to, I say avoid, we're going to kind of uh, place those to the side. And as we discuss this, uh, the, the, the idea of creation, we're going we're gonna to discuss the things that Scripture is, is absolutely clear on. Um, that there's that that we no matter what particular view you might have, whether it's old Earth or young Earth, or um, whether you have some like uh, some understanding of like uh, like a, a God guided evolution, or whether or, or whether you think that God created um, uh, all that exists in like a, a literal six day time period, like no matter which of those you hold to, there are certain things that um, that are common amongst. Um, all um, biblically based uh, understandings of, of creation itself. So those things are that God created the entire universe out of nothing. Genesis 1.1, um, God created what we would call this ex nihilo, like, right? Like out of nothing. So there was only God and then God created all that is. That's That's every planet. That's every particle of dust. That's every... Um, spiritual being that's every um, every created thing um, finds its origin in God and prior to that there was nothing but God himself um, that includes time itself so time is a creation or part of creation um, the second thing is that it was originally very good we looked at throughout the opening chapter of Genesis time and time again we see that God said God works and that what God says at the end is that it was good and as he looked over all that he had made he said that it was very good uh, the third thing that we can all agree on is that he created it to glorify himself and I want us to kind of start there um, if you were to go, flip with me to uh, Revelation chapter 4 verse 11 um, we, we're going to kind of pick up here um, and then s- start into um, special creation of, of, of mankind. So I want us to consider uh, God creating um, 
to glorify himself. And I want us to think of uh, like what are the implications that God freely created, right? That God did not need to create, but he chose to create. What can we, what can we know um, to be true because of that? And because of what we've already kind of explored as we've explored the character and nature of God. Um, so uh, Revelation 4.11, Worthy are you, our Lord and God to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created so by whose will is all that exists in existence so what can we know because of that right what can we know to be true so so God has purpose in what He's doing, right? God is wise. God is powerful. God is all-knowing. Like we've we've explored the character of who God is, right? Not only does God know all things, not only does God know the end from the beginning, but God knows because He is infinitely wise. The best way to get to that end from the beginning, right? So we can trust the Creator who knows all things when we find ourselves with a limited view of anything questioning why this thing, right? Like why this event or why that event? Like we rest because we can't see, we can't know, we don't know what this event, how it, how it changes the course of history. We don't know how this trial or this pain or whatever, we can't see that. We're very limited in our view of what we can see. So we must trust in the one who sees, knows, and works all things together, right? So we know that because He created. He chose. He didn't need to. This wasn't an accident. There's purpose in what He's doing, right? We rest in that. Even when we don't understand all the answers to the whys, we know that He does. We trust His character to be pure and perfect and unchanging. And we know that He knows what's coming and what the end holds. And we know that He chose that freely. He has purpose. There is no trial, there is no pain that is purposeless. Right? Right? We know this. There's nothing that we experience, there's nothing that anyone experiences that is not driving towards His ultimate purpose. And when I say that, I know the atrocities that this world holds. Right? And I know that when I say that, I'm faced with this conflict of not being able to give you the answers to why. Right? I could not. I could not. Paul could not. Right? The writers of Scripture could not. So he leaves you with something like what we find in Romans chapter 8, verse 18, where he knows, though, he knows that all these things, when placed to the weight of God's glory, will pale in comparison. Right? This is what we rest and we trust in that God, He created. By your will, they existed and were created. It's by His will. And He knows the end from the beginning. Right? Rest in this. 
Trust in this. When you find yourself at that place where you where you understand clearly the limitations of what we can see and know and understand, especially when it comes to pain and suffering, know that this is not beyond the view of what God has seen, right? And that ultimately the glory that we will find in Him in the, on that day will outweigh all of those things that we experienced on our way to that moment, right? So God created, and because He created freely, we know that in His infinite wisdom, He created with a purpose, right? He created with a purpose. So uh, we explored a little bit last week, Colossians chapter 1, 16 through 17, where we, where we see um, that this includes even like the heavenly beings, right? So like angels were created, and when we say that He created them, by His will they existed and were created, right? So every angel that He created, those who have remained faithful and those who have fallen equally, He created and they existed because He created them, right? They exist today because He holds them in existence, right? Like all creation is held in existence by Him. This includes those who still rebel, right? Like, He holds them in existence, right? And this is where we get into these places where we ask these questions. Why would He hold Satan in existence? Why would He hold this particular evil person in existence? And this is where we run into that place where we can't necessarily answer that fully and satisfactory, right? And this, so there are lots of ways that we can approach this, right? Like we can we can say that, like like if it weren't for darkness, would we have the understanding that we have of light, right? Like like we can we can. I'm not saying that there's no way that we can provide any like comfort or. It, but what I'm but what I'm saying is is that if you look at all the evil around us, like it's going to be difficult. For us to answer every single case, case by case, right? You could spend your entire life pressing into that, right? Like, like, and, and, and someone who's a, who's a, who's not a believer, who's going to take the problem of evil and try to be like, okay, well, what about this one? Okay, what about this one? Okay, what about this one? Okay, what about this one? And on and on and on and on. They could do that all day, every day, right? Because there is enough evil in today that you could do that. Right? So how do we, how do we press into that? How do we, how do we, how do we be like, no, it's not hopeless. How do we give a, a sufficient, a sufficient answer to that? Right? And this is what I would say. If I can't answer for you every evil act, I don't have enough seconds in my lifetime to spend on that. Right? Given every second of my life, I would not have sufficient time to answer every issue. Right? So what must we do? How then do we face this? And I think that the Scripture gives us a bedrock answer towards this. And I would say this, if someone kept coming and said, what about this evil example? What about this evil example? What about this evil example? Right? How would I answer that? What approach would I take to that? I would be like, one, I'm not going to have enough time in my lifetime to answer every evil act that you could bring up. So here's what I'm going to do. Here's the approach that I'm going to take. I'm going to say, let's find the most evil act. 
right? Let's find the most evil act in history. And if we can, I would say to that, to that individual, if I can give you a sufficient answer on the worst, then would it at least be plausible that we could answer the others given sufficient time, right? Does that seem logical? Right? If I can take the worst event in history and show how God used that event for good, how His purposes were, were made known in that particular event, then would it at least be possible that if I had time, I could answer all the others? Yes? Yeah. And then I point them to the cross. Right? Th- then I look at the cross and I say, what, why would that be the most evil day? Right? Because there has not, there's not been one person who has ever been born or ever will be born who given an opportunity will not sin. Everyone is born a sinner, right? You're not born with an empty slate, right? You are born in iniquity. And we're going to see this as we look at, at, at the create, like why it's important that we, that we explore and examine and understand, um, why scripture mentions time and time again Adam and the significance of Adam. The book of Romans chapter 5 points to the significance that, that we're not born with some type of, like, you're, you're born good. No, you're born with a bend towards evil. But they will. But they will. But they will. Right? Here's the reality is that you could take every child born and you do not have to teach them selfishness. You do not have to teach them rebellion. You do not have to teach them anger. The problem comes is that people will say, well, people are born good and it's culture that bends them. Culture is people. Culture is people. We make people worse than they are. True. But who was the first? Right? Was there one... Somewhere along the line, somebody went went astray. Right? Otherwise, you would only have good culture. You would only have good actions. But what we see time and time again is that you will not find a culture that is perfect. You will not find a people where they find themselves innocent of sin. All have fallen. Right? All have fallen. Yes, we corrupt one another. You corrupt me, I corrupt you. We choose corruption from birth. Right? Because our father, Adam, was corrupt. Right? And, and scripture, scripture makes this, this clear to us. Let's, let's look at this creation of, of, of Adam. We're gonna, we're gonna flip, um, First to Genesis chapter two. The 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 cross is the worst situation, right? Why is that? That is because the only innocent person to ever live, truly innocent. I'm talking inherently innocent, right? Like we we call children innocent, but they're innocent in the sense that they haven't had opportunity to sin, right? Because every one of us know that given time, when that person's 30 years old, they will have committed thousands of sins. If not tens of thousands of sins. There's none of us so foolish to think that any innocent baby born will grow up completely holy. Why? Because we know ourselves. Right? Yet on the cross, 
A truly innocent 30-something-year-old man was murdered, having committed no sin. At this is a you as men like this is one of the this is one of the things like whenever I consider like what what innocence is and I consider that there was a a man of the age of thirty who was perfectly holy and good and I think how far fallen am I right yet this man was murdered crucified innocent right. We, we consider like, and like when we consider like, like abortion, when we consider like all the like, the worst of atrocities, right? The worst of things that could go wrong. Like, like murder, rape, incest, like all of, all of these things that we just consider like mind blowing levels of evil. We consider them evil because innocence was perverted in that, right? Like there was something stolen away in that, right? The worst account of this is if the innocent one, the blameless, spotless one, is murdered by those he came to save. Right? The cross is the darkest day in history. Without question. Without question. Right? So if I can convince you of the cross and the evil and atrocity that was committed on that day being the worst of things, then it would at least be feasible that we could answer given time all of the other lesser evils, right? And that's what I would consider every other evil a lesser evil than the crucifixion of the God who made the galaxies and who came to redeem them, right? Like that was the most evil of days without question. So why are we like this, right? Why are we like this? Um, Genesis chapter 2, flip with me there. So Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Who gave life to this man? God breathed life into him, and he became a living creature. Let's flip now to uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 21. So just a little bit farther down. Um, so that was man. So God, God formed man from the dust of the earth. Scripture says, verse 21, So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept... Um, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So I want us to consider what is, what, what is the order of creation for humanity that scripture seems to be putting forward in the in the early scriptures right early chapters of genesis who came first right so god creates man and then from man comes woman right now how does that how does how do men come about today how do we come about guys right like we come from women right 
Like, my mother gave birth to me. All of your mothers gave birth to you, right? The normal course of, like, life and the rolling on of life is that the females produce the males and females, right? Like, I mean, we all know how that thing works. We don't have to go into into too much detail there, right? But men come from women. And yet, Scripture speaks of the first man preceding the first woman. Now, the question that I would have is, is this a, is this a particular example that's just given here for the sake of? Because what, what do I mean by this? Or where am I going from this? Like, if we were evolved, right? If we were evolved, then what was, and, and then at some point God breathed life into that, into that advanced ape, right? Like, if that, if we were to have that particular type of understanding of, of existence, then what would, what would not be able to be said of that man? is that he preceded the first woman, right? Because his mother would have given birth to him. But Scripture in the opening chapters of Genesis speaks of special creation of Adam. Now the question would be, is there any other place in Scripture where it, where it solidifies that particular type of understanding, right? And, and, and in fact, there is. And we're going to jump to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 real quick. Um, now, I want to go ahead and say this before we get here. There's a ton of stuff in this text that we're not going to have time to dig into. Y'all know how I hate jumping into things without context, but um, this particular, the context of this particular one would, would take a couple of classes in and of itself. Um, but I want to look at a particular wording, the particular wording that Paul uses here in the argument that he's giving in chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians to, to, to kind of um, probe our thoughts about what we're reading here in Genesis. So 1 Corinthians chapter 11, um, forgive me for not going into the full context of this, but, but as part of the argument that Paul's making, he makes this statement, and it's this particular statement that I want us to, to kind of focus in on. Um, verse 8, chapter 11, For man was not made from woman. So Scripture specifically speaks here of, of mankind. Um, man was create, um, neither... Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start back on that. Um, for man was not made from woman, but woman from man. So we see here Paul confirming in Corinthians this ordering of creation here, right? So man is created, and he says that woman's created from man. That would seem to support what we find um, in, in Genesis there. Um, then he goes on to say that is why, um, or hold on, uh, neither was man, in verse 9, neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. Again, he's, he's given this kind of, this, this precedence of ordering here that we find here in the text. He goes on in, in, in that a little bit further if we were to go down uh, down to verse 12. Um, so, so then he says, For as woman was made from man, so man is now born of woman. Right? So like we get the, what he's trying to say here. The origin of man was a man. Right? This is who we would call Adam. Right? So this is specific, special creation of mankind that Scripture points to. Right? Adam was special creation. There was no woman or parents who preceded him. Right? He was the first man. Right? It seems when we look at Genesis and we look at this specific usage that Paul refers to there, um, that, that, that there's no way that we can get around special creation. Right? 
It, it seems to me very clear that man was created specifically, not as proceeding first from a mother, but specially, as God says in, in Genesis, from the dust of the earth, right? God creates Adam. Why is this important? Why is it important? When we consider original sin, when we consider um, why it is that we're born into sin, I think that this is specific, um, that, that we should get this, is counted in Adam. Um, go, to, go to Romans chapter 5 with me real quick. We're going to kind of wrap up, uh, wrap up the discussion uh, of special creation here. Why is it important um, that, we, that we understand <coughs> special creation of Adam? Flip Romans chapter 5. We're going to start reading in verse 12. Pay specific attention verses 12 through 14. So this is the entrance of sin into the world. Why is there evil? Because we sin, right? We sin. And why do we sin? Because we are sinners, right? Scripture would say that we're born in iniquity, right? That we inherit original sin from our original father, Adam. And Paul, in the book of Romans chapter 5, uses this to make an argument for what we should expect in Christ, right? So therefore, verse 12, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin... So death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no, no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses. So who was the first man? Who, who did sin enter in through Adam? Paul says here, Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam. So follow me here. Follow me. There was no law given, right? Adam sinned. All of his offspring continued in sin, right? They all continued in sin and death. Even though they didn't sin as Adam had sinned, right? It was a direct rebellion. He directly went against what God directly yes. told him out of his mouth. Yes. So God says to Adam, don't eat of that fruit. Right? Here's, here's, I want us to get this. I want us to get this. That Adam sinned. Not only did Adam die because of that sin, all of Adam's offspring died because of that sin. And they continued to sin as well. Right? That's what we're, that's what we find, that's what we find here. Therefore, verse 12, back in verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and the death, and, and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. How? How? They could not rebel against a specific law until those laws were given. How could it, how could scripture say that they sinned? But but here's the thing from from Adam to the giving of the commandments right so from Adam to Moses there was no law right there was no no specific law where God said thou shalt not apart from eat of the tree yeah and then the law comes through Moses yet before Moses everyone still died why 
Because they still sinned. Because that's who they were. Even though they didn't have specific laws to break, they were sinners. Right? So, how... how it, it, yeah. There wasn't guidelines, but yet there was. Yet there was. Follow me. This is this is such such a good thing. If you don't know that murdering is a sin, is murdering still sinful? Yeah. Yes. 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 Every time we find them prior to the law sinning, they're still shameful. They still know, right? Abel's blood crying out from the ground. Right? Like there's still this understanding. Even though they, they, God, didn't, God didn't say, okay, Adam, so now we're going to give these laws, don't kill each other. Right? So that when you kill each other because that law is given, now you know and you're a sinner. No, 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 no. Even when we have no law to break, we are lawless. Right? Like we are, because of our fallen nature, we have inherited from our one father, Adam, and it is passed down from generation to generation. We sin because we love sin. Right? We don't need laws to break, but give us laws and we'll make sure we break them. Right? This is what, like, like he can, like, we find this reality that before laws were given, we were still lawless in our character, in our nature. And when law was given, we just made it all the worse. Right? So the law, and and this is the argument that Paul makes throughout Romans, is that when the law was given, that didn't make you better people. That one showed you how bad you were. Two gave you a goal for your sinfulness. Because now you can say, look, it says not murder, I'm going to murder. It says not steal, I'm going to steal. It says not commit adultery, I'm going to commit adultery. Right? It gave us a bar to which we could exceed in our sinfulness. So when the law was given, sin abounded even more. And yet, where sin abounded, grace abounded. Because God let it continue on. Right? Instead of wiping it out altogether. Why? Why? Ultimately, back to where we started, is that God created with a purpose. When we sinned, when Adam sinned, it did not catch him off guard and him have to shift the way that he was going to do this thing. Right? Like when he created, he knew the fall would occur. And his plan from the beginning, before he spoke the first word of creation, was Christ glorified in the most horrific, sinful act that humanity could ever enact. The crucifixion of that Savior on the cross. And yet, on the worst day in history, we find the reality of Scripture most clearly seen that God works all things together for the good of His people. Right? Even the worst day He worked for good for His people. The ultimate good. The darkest day in history bursted forth with the brightest light that history has ever seen. Right? Because God has a purpose in all of it. In all of it. So we're going to finish. Uh, we're going to finish there. We'll close out.